0: Mark 15, verses 16 to 20. The soldier led Jesus away to the palace, that is the Praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff, and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to be crucified him. John nineteen seventeen. carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Arabic, is called Golgotha.
1: through Lent into the Easter season, we're reminded of the blessing that we have of a God that is mighty to save us. Mighty in in power, but also mighty in resolve. Let's stand together and sing.
2: Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to say, Jesus mighty to say, Forever author of salvation. He rose and conquered their grave. Jesus conquered. your light and let the whole world see. Sing. Singing for the glory of the risen King, Jesus. Shine light let the whole world see. Sing. Singing for the glory of the risen King, Savior. He can move the mountains, my God. Is Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. All the saints and angels. They're bad. They're bad.
1: as we pray and as the ushers come forward. God, we thank you that you are worthy of it all. We thank you that when we worship you, we worship a God who is, who is worthy of everything we can give, that you have given us so much. And as we return things to you and as we use them for your glory, we are, we are becoming a part of your perfect plan. God, we thank you that you enjoy our prayers, that you, that you they're like incense to your nose, God. We thank you that, that your relationship with your people is so important to you that, that you came to earth to die for us. God, we thank you for completing this contract that you made with us yourself, because we can't do it ourselves. God, we thank you that, that you have bridged that gap, God. God as we as we bring what we have to you <clears throat> we pray that you would give us wisdom in how we use it that you would give boards elders deacons ministry leaders pastors everybody in this church who uses these these gifts these funds these uh, these tools that uh, that we would use them knowing that You are worthy of it all. In Christ's name, amen.
3: So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only.
4: In Ezekiel 37, it says, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army.
1: Let's stand together as we sing.
2: And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will Oh, yeah. we And stories of what they think you're like, but the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good. Tell me who you are.
1: You for being good. We thank you for being such a loving God every day to us. We thank you that you bless us in ways that we don't even understand in the moment. And that you are an unfailing God, and your love is an unfailing love. We just pray now that, that our worship would bless you, and that our lives this week and this month would bless you as we as we go out from this church and we and we try to show others what it is that you mean to us, God. Amen. Amen.
3: gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love in death in life I'm confident and covered by the power Of your great love My debt is paid There's nothing that can separate my heart From your great love Your love never fails and never never gives gives up up, Never runs out on me Your love never never fails and never gives gives up up, Never never runs out on me. me Never runs out on me,
1: love. Amen. Please be seated.
0: You seem to have upset the delicate internal balance of my housekeeper.
4: We're very sorry, sir. It won't happen again. It's our sister, sir, Lucy.
0: The weeping girl.
4: Yes, sir. She's upset.
0: Hence the weeping. It's nothing. We can handle it. Oh, I can see that.
4: She thinks she's found a magical land in the upstairs wardrobe.
0: What did you say?
4: Um, the wardrobe, upstairs. Lucy thinks she's found a forest inside. She won't stop going on about it.
0: What was it
2: like?
4: Like talking to
5: a lunatic.
0: No, 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 not her, the forest. You're not saying you believe her? You don't.
5: Well, of course not. I mean, logically, it's impossible.
0: What do they teach in schools these days? Edmund said they were only pretending. And he's usually the more truthful one, is he? No.
2: This would be the first time. If she's not mad and she's not lying, then logically,
0: we must assume she's telling the truth. You're saying that we should just believe her? She's your sister, isn't she? You're a family. You might just try acting like one. Good morning.
6: How are you guys warm? Yeah. yeah, at least it's warm in here. But man, it was a cold walk this morning. I, I'm glad most of you put your clocks ahead. There's one gentleman, I, when I walk past the residence on Sunday mornings, he gets up at 4 in the morning in order to get wheel trains at 6 in order to go to mass. And that's like hardcore dedication. He was crying this morning because he forgot to set his clock back, so he woke up at 5.15. So, you know, just for those of you who had trouble getting up this morning, shame on you, but uh, (laughs) that guy's hardcore though, wow. Uh, Let's go to the text right today, and let's jump right into this. We're in this series talking about the real Jesus. I'm in Mark chapter three, and we come across this very, very interesting story about Jesus, and it's a story that perplexes a lot of us who who know and have heard this story before, but we're introduced to this guy and some of his claims, which may not just kind of jive with some of ours. Let me read you this story from Mark. If you're following along, you can follow along in your Bibles on page 1130 in the seats in front of you, or you can follow along on the screen or follow along in your notes. So let's go here. Then Jesus entered a house. And again, a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind! And the teachers of the law who came down from uh, Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. And then Jesus' mothers and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. And then he looked at all those seated in the circle around them, and he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. May God bless the reading of his word. You ever had someone who you care about say something harsh to you? Always. Okay, we got one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I, on a regular basis, have people who say rather harsh things to me. Sometimes it's because they're angry. Sometimes they're just angry at me. Uh, Sometimes they're confused or disoriented. They're high. Uh, Sometimes they just need just someone to vent to I used to have this one guy who on a regular basis, actually at the end of every communion service when I was in a brethren church, he would come up to me. So that was every week. He would come up to me after the communion service and say, you've heard me tell this story before, you are a complete waste of space. And sometimes those harsh, those harsh comments can hurt, can't they? Especially when they come from someone you, you care about. In this guy's case, he wore his pants backwards, so I was able to kind of like, okay, <laughs> consider the source. All right, I remember once I wrote this. I was so angry with my dad, so furious with him, and I didn't know how to express my anger to him, so I wrote them this big, long letter. I left it on his bed, and all I did, I spelled out how he needed to man up, how he needed to be a dad, he needed to be a husband, he needed to lead his home, and he needed to stop being so passive as a dad and as a father. Oh, me, sophisticated 19-year-old full of wisdom (laughs) to to extol on my dad my great pearls of knowledge. But I don't know about you, and and I've, I've done some harsh things even to people I've been close to, but I don't think I would ever say to my mom and my dad or my siblings, hey, Joy, John, Jim, Janet, you're not my family anymore. This is my family. And we come across this text here today, and and we get this picture, and if we've been working through Mark since the beginning of the year, and, and we get this picture of Jesus. Here's a guy, he's going without food. I don't think he's running on much sleep. He's got people, crowds around him, pressing on him, throngs of people pressing on him. We've read and we've studied in the last couple weeks even, he's turned the religious establishments against him. He's even turned some of the governing authorities against him. And so his family shows up to come and care and nurture, to bring him home to take care of his needs. I mean, that seems like a pretty reasonable family. Would you agree? Yeah. And we read here in this text, and we get this picture, like Jesus' family called him crazy. And then he makes he has the audacity to say, that's not my family. Anyone who does the will of God is my family. I mean, I'm sure when his mother and his brothers heard that, that must have been harsh. Would you agree? Uh, I mean, poor Mary. I mean, first of all, she gets impregnated by the Holy Spirit, okay? Imagine explaining that one to your dad and mom at the dinner table, people. And then when she's quite well on in the pregnancy, she has to walk uphill 90 miles, sorry, no donkey, to Bethlehem and give birth in a nasty stable. She, she nurses this baby, raises him up, cares in an in in impoverished nation as their refugee. She cares for him, gives him the best life he, she can possible. And this is the thing she gets? Man, he must be out of his mind. And he's like these are not my relatives it's those who do my will so let's be practical for a second here okay let's just say you knew somebody you knew a person and whether they're having a bad day or they're having a really really good day a really good particularly good day if they kept saying in a sustained way over and over again i have always existed i created the world i and ultimate reality i will return at the end of time and your eternal destiny will depend on your relationship with me what would you assume about that person either they're on something and you want to know who their dealer is or they're crazy lying or or all of the above. One of my favorite modern-day examples of this is a clip I want to show you.
5: Kim Jong Il, North Korea's leader from 1994 until his death in 2011, was amazing at, well, everything.
2: Look how much they rub my show.
6: The entire audience is so captivated.
5: According to official biographies, he could walk at just three weeks old and talk at eight. And that's not all. As a college student, he wrote 1,500 books in three years and composed six operas that are apparently, quote, better than any in the history of music. Better? What do you think? But his most incredible achievement might be scoring 38 under par on his first ever round of golf, including 11 holes in one. So is it any surprise that the first time he bowled, he scored a perfect 300? incredible. His dazzling physique was so efficient, he expelled neither number one, number two, nor any fraction in between. Zhang Il's incredible mind control extended from his bowels to the weather as well, which reputedly changed with his moods. Perhaps that's not surprising, considering the man was born on a volcanic mountain in North Korea, beneath a blazing star and a double rainbow.
6: For those of us with um bowel diseases would we not like to be a part of that uh, biological makeup but over the years there's been a lot of people who've claimed to be god claim to be divine claimed to be sent from heaven but no one ever except for jesus got anything like a major movement off the ground and we're left with this great historical question What sort of life, what sort of character must Jesus have had in order for thousands upon thousands of Jews who lived day and night with him to give all that up? They went absolutely against everything they believed, everything they'd been taught, against their worldview, every fiber of their being, everything that they understood about themselves, they gave up. What kind of life? must jesus have had to have had lived in order for them to do that in order for them to for that to break through and it couldn't have been the life of a lunatic a lunatic would never have produced those kind of results there's no way there must have been something like what you read here in the bible but i would say even more than that because he was uh, he was in and amongst them physically because They become open to the truth, and they worshiped him. And we read this in the Gospels. His life could not have been the life of a lunatic. And I guess we're left with one thing. He must have been who he said he was. I don't know about you, but for me, if you're not consistently walking what you're talking, I'm not going to buy sneakers from you. I, I, I often, I do if you've ever been on the 401 and you get a rock in your windshield and it creates a little splinter, what generally happens over time? Splinter, splinter, I have found with people who claim certain things that if I see a little splinter it obviously, it usually leads to a crack. And I wanna know if people are actually smoking what they're selling. When telemarketers used to call me up on the phone on my landline and try and sell me something, the first thing I always do is ask them for their phone number. Then I can call them at their home and talk further about the product they're trying to sell me. Some of you can think about that one on the way home. Um, One time, back in the day, do you guys remember landlines? Some of us do, some of you are like, oh, past you're dating yourself again. But back in the days of landlides, I, I had great, great, um, you can jot this one down, it comes in handy, not so much nowadays, but I had this one guy call me um, to ask if, if they could come to our house and clean the ductwork. And I started crying, bawling uncontrollably. And I was like, is this some kind of joke? And, and they're like, what, what's the matter? What's, my house burnt down yesterday and then they're all apologetic and hang up, and I'm really just laughing to myself, because if my house had burned down, then how could you have called me, but (laughs) some of you are like, that's a great, doesn't work as well with cell phones, just letting you know, but Here's the deal here though when it when it comes to jesus he lived this life that was so revolutionary So real so genuine it melted the hearts of everybody who encountered him And and these people turned their entire world view up to follow this guy and we're still talking about him today And when we read this story here, he's not trying to sever his family ties because we read even later on the Bible, it's not consistent. Even on his cross, when he goes put, puts on the cross at the end of his life here on earth, what does he tell John to do to take, care of his, to take care of his mother? He even, in other parts of Scripture, even says to the religious leaders how poor of a job they're doing honoring their mother and father. And he calls us to a higher level when it comes to family. He's not suggesting breaking family ties here. But he does say commitment to him may lead To division in your family Sometimes that is the price of following him But here's what's going on here and here's the deal and you really pick this up in the book of john And john's gospel um, chapter 7 verse 5 the real problem in this story Is that jesus's brothers Don't believe him They think he's a lunatic they think he's gone crazy, his own brothers, his own family. And some of us can relate to that, can't we? Some of us are here, and we know our families are back home or wherever, and they're laughing at us. They don't get us at all. They look at our lives, and, and some of us are generous. And they're like, why are you doing that with your money? Or they look at your lifestyles and your daily, look at all, all you're doing with, say, the poor or with children or in the neighborhood, or in their sitting like, Are you out of your mind? That's not a good investment. You need to be doing this, and they think you're insane, and they don't get you. And here's the deal. You're a follower of Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're going to come across as crazy, because it's a contagious disease, and you get it from Him. And then he has a bit of a warning here in in this story here, which I think we've got to pay heed to, though, too. There is a danger too, whether you're in a Christian family or in a non-Christian family, of, of making it all about your family. That family is everything. Every moment, every activity, every decision. I mean, that's generally commendable. But I also think we're called in scriptures to not make our families an idol. Because you can take good things And you can make them greater than god And jesus is calling us to and any the problem with this is anytime when you take something good and you make it greater than god It'll self-destruct It'll fall apart It'll blow up and jesus warns us of this and that's a hard saying, isn't it? It's a hard saying. So let's keep reading this passage here So if he's not a loony if he's not a lunatic, then he must be a He's gotta be a liar, right? I mean, and, and so the religious leaders come along here and they're like, they call him evil. He must have been evil. He must be a liar. And so you have all the, the text tells us there's religious leaders coming from all over to check out this guy, to see if he's a heretic, to see if he's teaching false things. And what do they encounter? They encounter this man who's generous with his time, compassionate towards the poor, Loving a man of the scriptures because they're they're Bible believing, scripture believing lovers of God At least they claim to be and they see this guy who's who's teaching God's Word and and teaching love and and patience and peace and healing people and 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 caring for the sick and and loving children and just blessing people right and left and they come to this astonishing conclusion after seeing, doing all these marvelous, incredible things, guess what conclusion they come to? Jesus was demon-possessed and was casting out demons by the power of Satan. How did they get there? How? How did they make that leap? And Jesus answers them in the passage, your claims make no sense. AND YOUR HEARTS ARE DESPERATELY WICKED. NOW, I COULD SPEND SOME TIME TALKING ABOUT THAT TODAY, BUT I, I DON'T THINK THAT'S SUCH AN ARGUMENT IN OUR WORLD TODAY, AS MUCH AS IT USED TO BE. I DON'T THINK MOST OF OUR CULTURE IS SAYING, JESUS IS EVIL. BUT WHAT WE'VE DONE HERE IS, NOW IN THE 21ST CENTURY, with sophistic- AS SOPHISTICATED ATOPOKOKIANS, WHAT WE'VE DONE, INSTEAD OF CALLING JESUS A LUNATIC, or a liar, we've come up with what I'd call a third category. See, back in the day, if you ever read C.S. Lewis or any of his stuff, he's the guy who, uh, you saw the clip from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe earlier, wrote a bunch of amazing books, but one of his premises that he's famous for is Jesus was either a liar, sorry, a lunatic, a liar, or Lord. He had to be one of those three things, but sister sophisticated intellectual modern people started thinking no we're gonna make a fourth category so they came up with a fourth category because they all agreed he wasn't a lunatic and we can't call him a liar but we don't want to call him Lord either, or otherwise we'll have to worship him so what do we do so they came up with a fourth category and I'm calling it for today's purposes legendary. They made and are making Jesus a legend. He's legendary, and and it's this very very. It's been around for millennium, but it's gotten really popular in the last couple decades because of a book called the Da Vinci Code, and they made a movie of it. I just want to show you a quick clip of it.
3: We see.
0: My dear, that's Mary Magdalene.
3: The prostitute?
0: She was no such thing. Smeared by the church in 591 Anno Domino. Mary Magdalene was Jesus's wife. Now, listen to this. It's from the gospel according to Philip. Philip? Yes, it was rejected at the Council of Nicaea, along with any other gospels that made Jesus appear human and not
6: This is the tiny bit from the movie. In the book, this is the thing that caused all the controversy. But basically what the book and the movie sets out to do is paint Jesus as a teacher of love and peace and fully human, but not God. Not God. He was a wonderful man, a man of love and peace, but not God. Because their belief is, what's happened is, centuries went by, and the church, they concocted this whole story called the New Testament and the Gospels in order to make money, in order to brainwash people, in order to lead people astray. And they made up all these stories about Jesus being divine and being God. And the reason they did this is if Jesus is fully human and not God, we don't have to worship him then. We don't have to bow a knee to them. then. It doesn't threaten our way of life. And the problem with this, this whole argument completely falls apart. It's got so many holes in it. But if I wanted to get a religion off the ground if I wanted to to get this whole story of Jesus off the ground if I if and and make it incredible with miracles and all sorts of supernatural occurrences the first thing I have to do is wait okay so Jesus dies and he dies because he must have he had to have died because he wasn't God then I have to wait for what I have to wait for everybody who knew him to die. Because I can't write a book that has all these witnesses in it if they're still around. Because when you start to read the Bible, you realize that it was written way earlier than when the church could have gotten a hold of it and and twisted it and added all this information. Let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this. Paul wrote this probably 15 to 20 years after the time of Christ, but it says this, 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead, and most of them are still alive. You can go talk to them about it. So you've got these public documents floating around, because the whole Bible wasn't in book form, but you had these letters floating around, and some of them are making these extravagant claims that Jesus rose from the dead. And there's people you can go talk to, 500 of them in fact, that saw him and, and he's making all these claims, and you've got this kind of language going on in the New Testament to all these people who were witness to Jesus resurrecting. And these claims, the, these stories, these letters, they were too early in circulation for them to have been rewritten, revised centuries later. And that's where their whole argument just comes crashing down see see people want to say especially in this legendary category that the new testament was revised and re- uh, rewritten hundreds of years later but the scrolls and and the things we read in it appoint uh, all these witnesses that, that happened way before we even the church got established and put all this stuff together and it's it's such a compelling thing to just say he's not a lunatic and he's not a liar, and he's not a legend, so why don't people just believe in him? And it's because if you believe that Jesus is Lord, it means you have to repent. And it means you've got to return. And it means you've got to do a 180, whatever term you want to use, and give your life to him. Because if he was Lord, it means everything he said was true, and he is the only way to heaven. He's the only way to everlasting life. So if Jesus is who he says he is, if he's God, and we are his family like he's talking on this passage here today, and that's the real Jesus, what does that mean for us today? Shortly after... uh, World War II came to a close, and some of you tell me sometimes stories about this, but Europe had been devastated, and much of the continent was lying in ruins. And there's a story told about an American soldier who was returning to the barracks in London, and as he pulled around a curb, he saw a little boy with his face pressed against the window of a pastry shop, of a bakery. And so he he pulls his jeep over to the side, Gets out walks slowly over just to kind of watch what's going on here and this little boy has his face pressed against this window, which is all kind of fogged up and Inside there's this baker. There's this cook who's making kneading dough and he's making donuts and pastries and the soldier looks at the little boy because one thing that had happened as a result of all these wars and this battling is there was this devastation. This, one of the devastations was there was all these orphans who were starving to death in Europe. And he sees this boy, and, he, and the boy's just staring at this food, and he's salivating and drooling, and eyes are watering, and he's shaking, and his stomach's heaving. And the soldier turns to the boy and says, would you like some donuts? And the boy's like, sees him, shocked out of his mind and the soldier then proceeds to go into the store buys a dozen pastries has them put into a bag and he brings them up to the boy hands it to him and he goes to leave and he feels a little tug on his uniform and the boy looks up to him and says are you god are you god and I love this fact in this story here for all of us today. Jesus calls us family. And Jesus takes this rather dark experience with his own family who thinks he's crazy and he turns it into the most radiant, redemptive moment. And he, and as his family passes through the crowd they want to see him and his response to them makes two things really clear and the first response we can take from this is our natural families are not our ultimate relational commitments and some of us are like thanks be to god and others of us this is troubling but our natural families are not our ultimate relational commitments and Jesus looks around at the people seated around him and he says here are my mother's and my brothers and my sisters and In a patriarchal culture like that back then your family was everything Everything they were your identity and Jesus has the audacity to say even if your parents reject you like my parents rejected me You can be in family and I will give you an unconditional love so powerful that you'll be able to handle that rejection. We read in Psalm, the psalmist writes in Psalm 27:10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will bear me up. I don't know about you, but, me, but as a dad, I let my kids down all the time, sometimes literally, I just drop them. And some of you, you have been dropped by your parents. You've been dropped by your family really badly. And it's been emotional and it's been personal. And Jesus says, I have a love that will make mincemeat out of that. You can be adopted into my family today. That's how much I love you. Let that come into your life. Let that soak in you. And it will defeat you evil. It'll defeat the, the, the strong one. It'll defeat loneliness. Because of what I did on the cross, you can now be adopted into my family. And the second thing we learn from Jesus' response is, we are Jesus' own family. And there's this picture here that if we obey him, we get to experience this family of being one of his children. I don't know about you, when I've traveled around the world and I encounter other Christians, we can just get into conversations. And there's like this kinship. There's like this this unspoken bond. And we can just get dialoguing because we share the most important thing in common. And for some of you that are a bit rattled that I said, your spiritual family is far greater than your biological one, here's an important thing too. When you're obedient to Christ, It makes you a better father. It makes you a better mother. It makes you a better sibling. It enhances all those relationships. I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get to be better in those areas. Thanks be to God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And Jesus says, My mothers and my brothers and my sisters, they do the will of the Father of me. Obedience brings family. And if you and I here today, if we bind, uh, make His will our will, we're going to be bonded with people all over the place. Every beat of the real Jesus' heart was to do the Master's will. And because of that he goes to death on a cross that he didn't deserve so that you and i can call him family and when we obey him there's this experience as as, as children of his that's so much greater than a biological relationship so how do you view jesus the real jesus is, is he a lunatic is he a liar And my heart breaks for so many of us here. I think a lot of us have made him legendary. I really do. I think there's some of us who have been going to church for decades, and we still believe that there's many paths to heaven. We still believe as long as I, maybe I throw some money in the plate, as long as I go to church on Sunday, as long as I'm a kind of a good person, I get into eternity. I am a part of his family. And it's not true. I'm telling you right now, unless Jesus is Lord of your life and your whole life, you're going to spend eternity looking at things from the outside. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through saying yes to Jesus, making him your Lord, realizing he lived the life you should have lived, and he died the death that you deserved, and he did it so that you could be adopted into his family that'll last forever. Can we pray? God, thank you. Thank you for the real Jesus. And these are hard words and hard sayings but you're calling us to something that's bigger and greater and richer and deeper than anything this world has to offer. And it's an eternal kingdom. It's an eternal family. It's an eternal dinner table with you forever. God, I pray for anyone here who's feeling lonely, is lonely, is feeling isolated, maybe from family, maybe as a result of their faith. Maybe it's just They've just never had a very good earthly family experience, and I pray, I pray today, God, that they haven't already. That they would trust you as their Lord, and as a result of that, as you being their sin forgiver, they can experience this adoption and become a part of a spiritual family that spreads across the world and across the centuries and it'll never uh, develop rust, (laughs) or mildew, (laughs) or or exhaust, but will last for eternity. I pray, God, that you would just give them that hope and that peace today that can only truly be found for you, and that you would just give them that Teflon faith that no matter how anyone treats them, no matter what harsh words, it won't devastate them. But because of what you've done, it'll give them the power, the strength, the ability to overcome. That's all available, God, if we just trust you, if we just make you Lord of our lives. And God, I pray for any of us who have just been doing this church thing for so long, even the idea of seeing you as something different, other than liar or lunatic or legendary. We don't even know what that means, or it would be embarrassing to come forward to come clean, to confess, I've been following the wrong thing for all these years. Holy Spirit, I pray today they would feel safe. They pray this would be a place where they can just confess, come to you, and start that new, real, right relationship with you at the center. God, I just pray for our body, that we would not be... uh, like the world. We would not just be a community center or just a place where we gather for whatever reason, but it would be about you and worshiping the real and only you, who the only life is available. The Eternal life is available through you. Bless you. Thank you for your words today. God, just continue to work in and through us all to be more like you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.